Welcome once again to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as usual by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. On Wednesday of last week, Boris Johnson became Britain's new Prime Minister with a very definite promise on the steps of Downing Street to deliver Brexit by the 31st of October. Greg and I are going to discuss whether that's possible, whether Parliament will stand in his way and the likelihood of a general election in the autumn. Greg, it was another Johnson, President Lyndon B. Johnson, who said that the first rule of politics is to learn to count. Boris Johnson's biggest problem at the moment is that he has a parliamentary majority of just three. One of them has the Conservative whip suspended. There's the Brecon and Ragnarsha by-election next Thursday. Boris Johnson's majority, if the Conservative Party loses that, which seems very likely indeed, will be one. With that in mind, how on earth is he going to get any deal through the House of Commons? And secondly, how can he prevent the House of Commons blocking no deal? Very interesting question in that, in theory, he can't. But when you actually look at the law of the situation, if the new government under Boris Johnson, and I do think really when we're addressing Um, audiences that may well have Americans in it, he should be called Boris Johnson Hmm. uh, at all times because um, they may misunderstand it if we said we're led by our Johnson. Um, (laughs) But um, that aside, um, in theory it looks as if he couldn't get it through. However, under parliamentary law, uh, he could... Um, persuade his front bench, uh, i.e. his cabinet, to sit on their hands and do nothing. And because Parliament on two occasions has debated in depth and um, has agreed by a very substantial majority to implement Article 50, in which there is to be an effort to establish a an equitable treaty that uh, is agreed by uh, the British government with a default that if they cannot do this, the default position is that they leave without a bespoke deal. So they could do absolutely nothing um, in any direction. And on the 31st of October... The law that has been passed uh, to implement Article 50 of the European Treaty uh, would come into force. I think there are two problems with what you're saying there. And these are these. We had the amendment um, to the bill about devolution in Northern Ireland. Now, this might sound a little bit dry and technical. But what that means is that it is required that for every two weeks there is a report to the House of Commons saying what progress has been made to try and restore devolution to the Stormont Assembly. Now, that might not sound relevant to an outsider or someone who doesn't understand these things, but the fact that that is now a very strong, not quite a requirement, but a a strong indication of Parliament's will, suggests that proroguing Parliament for that period late October into early November would now be that bit more difficult than it otherwise would have been. And the second is this. An option 
um, would be for the opposition to table a motion of no confidence. Now, that is more complicated than it would have been a decade ago because of the Fixed Terms Parliaments Act, which David Cameron put through when he was Prime Minister early in his premiership in about 2010-2011, I think it was. And if that vote of no confidence goes through, bearing in mind how tight the Conservative DUP majority would be at that time, there would then be a 14-day cooling-off period um, by which time the options will be looked at to see if there's any other way of forming a government. Now, one option, and if, if there is no way a government can be formed, at that point a general election is called. But it is possible, and this is something Professor John Curtis, the, the respected Professor John Curtis, who knows a lot about zephology and parliamentary trends and, and voting trends and so forth, he said, don't rule out the possibility of a so-called government of national unity. Now, I think that title is somewhat sarcastic, bearing in mind what it would mean. But what, what Professor Curtis meant by that was backbenchers in particular from the Labour side, plus the likes of Dominic Grieve, plus the, the likes of Anna Subri and Chukka Ramuna um, from the party that keeps changing its name, although they've, they've, a lot of them have now um, left that party and, and, and sit as independents. So this could be a so-called government of national unity. Do you think that's even possible? To be fair, if you're going to call your party change, Hmm. the one thing to do is change its name regularly and then you're living down to expectation. I I was always told it was rude to intrude on private grief and we've already seen how Change UK or whatever it's calling itself this week has lost several of its MPs and they're not getting on with each other. But do you think... Under under those circumstances, a vote of no confidence, the the 14-day cooling-off period, could a so-called government of national unity be formed to prevent a no-deal Brexit and even repealing Article 50? I believe that the Parliament has, in fact, already played its biggest card of brinkmanship, which was to turned down the only deal that they ever had offered to them and thereby tacitly automatically deciding to have a no deal Uh, but do bear in mind that no deal is a misnomer what it actually means is no bespoke deal somewhere in the region of 160 different countries deal with the eu on a no deal basis because that no deal basis is no bespoke deal and they deal under what are termed world trade organization rules in other words a deal is in place which actually covers every aspect it's just rather messy so they've in voting out the only alternative they are automatically saying that they have no wish to implement democracy within the british governance because they are going counter the wishes of the people and their own promise to the people in their own manifesto of the two main parties and realistically the other parties are all so small they're irrelevant other than as adding weight to one or other of Britain's two professional political parties. What has become clear particularly in the early months of this year, is the extent to which the whipping system has broken down in Parliament and parliamentary discipline has broken down. And by that, I mean both the Conservative and the Labour parties. And, of course, parliamentary intelligence has broken down. 
Well, yes. Being utterly stupid. Well, yes, but the, the whipping system has broken down and some quite dangerous precedents were set in the early months of this year, um, which will have consequences far beyond the things we can go into now. But do you think it's likely then that this vote of no confidence will happen in the early autumn when Parliament returns in early September? And then what will happen after that? Do you think that vote of no confidence will happen, first of all? I personally think that they, the Parliament... The, MPs have, in the main, sufficient of them, have adequate intelligence to realise their game of brinkmanship has gone to the brink and nearly destroyed themselves. And at the end of the day, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So I what, what you're saying I is you don't think that will happen then? They will, you're saying you don't think there will be a vote I, of no confidence in the early autumn? I think the MPs, in the main are self-interested, self-obsessed, self-important, and singularly dishonest. And I think I can safely say that of most of the MPs who put forward a majority for Article 50, a huge majority gave an undertaking to honour the referendum. And the extent of their weenie-waggling of their own importance almost brought about the collapse of British democracy and I think probably would bring about the collapse of British democracy if they fail to pass Brexit. Not, I am not saying here whether Brexit is or is not a good idea. It is what was voted for and it is what a huge majority of the MPs gave a promise-undertaking to implement. Yes, and I think it's also remembering that at the 2017 general election, every single Conservative and every single Labour MP stood on a manifesto promising to implement the result of the Brexit referendum of 2016. And it's also worth remembering just how many of those Labour seats in the heartlands voted for Brexit. That's something else to remember. The other thing about why I think you may be right about this vote of no confidence not happening is the sheer logistics of it. If the vote of no confidence happened and 14 days passed and Professor John Curtis's idea of a national unity government could not come about, then in terms of stopping um, a, a no-deal Brexit on the 31st of October, the deadline for having an election campaign followed by election itself, followed by the return of Parliament and then putting legislation through to stop it, would be very tight indeed. So I suspect you may be right. So to move the discussion on, therefore... Oh, can, I, can I first say, hmm. there is another factor in this hmm. um, that people aren't actually thinking of. Hmm. If there was election, an election, who would win? Well, this is part of the problem. It would be a highly unpredictable campaign. And, well, we've seen in the part... In the it is almost certain... Hmm. It's almost certain that the Tories would win hmm. if it was a Tory-Labour fight. It is in the interest of both Labour and the Tories to push forward for, if um, needed, a non-bespoke deal to leave the EU and honour their undertaking to the electorate because that would nullify Brexit. So Boris Johnson then 
timing is everything now because he's got August, which is the so-called silly season, and then a period of negotiation in September, although again we've got the party conference season and goodness knows what else. Do you think he can get a different sort of deal from the EU to what Theresa May had? Because the mood music at the moment seems to suggest that they're not interested in further negotiations in Brussels. Um, To uh, very much quote an earlier parliamentary example, they would say that, wouldn't they? So do you think he's going to get a radically different deal to the one Theresa May had? I believe that um, Brussels isn't stupid and it knows damn well that Parliament has voted down the Theresa May deal and voted it down by substantial majorities and will not vote it through. And without that ratification, it isn't worth the hot air it's spouted on. What differences do you think Boris Johnson will get in his negotiations with the EU, particularly in relation to the situation on the Northern Ireland border with the backstop and other elements MPs weren't happy with? How different do you think a Boris Johnson deal will be? Well, for starters, if we're leaving the EU, which is what they have undertaken, it is no damn business of the European Union residual organisation to tell us how to run our borders. But there's a border between what is British territory um, or United Kingdom territory, to be absolutely specific, and EU territory. Therefore, it is in both of our interests to have a harmonious border. It is indeed. If Europe wishes to write into our law their terms on how we manage our border, they can go whistle. But isn't it better to have an agreement to ensure not only the peace process in Northern Ireland continues, but people who travel to and from for work and for family and for socialising or for any reason at all don't have a hard border and the, the standard of living they've been used to for the past 20 years continues? Well, of course it is. And our government has said there won't be. But we're not writing it into having the EU write it into our law. Okay, put simply then, what's the solution to the customs situation on the Northern Ireland border? How do we solve that without having hard border checks? Uh, The European Union must grow up or shut up. But if there's one a, a customs rate on one side of the border and a different customs rate on the other, how do we stop smuggling? You'll never stop smuggling on any border on the planet. Mm. All you can do is control it. Mm. This can be done as a matter of trust. And I would submit um, it wouldn't take long to say we're doing this on trust, that there is no smuggling. However, any vehicle found in Northern Ireland that has smuggled goods, well, the driver will receive um, a custodial sentence for a limited period of time, and the vehicle used will go in a crusher. I think that will put them off pretty damn quickly. And what about Boris Johnson himself then? Because Boris Johnson, we've seen, there's been a number of television documentaries and some quite long newspaper essays in the last couple of weeks about his character. Um, for example, he was sacked for making up quotes as a young man. Um, he would, There's YouTube footage of him conspiring to get um, Stuart Collier 
News of the World reporter beaten up um, in conjunction with his friend Darius Guppy, who ended up in prison for dual fraud. There are people who have worked with him who all say tell very similar stories about him being untrustworthy and unreliable. And there's also his biggest problem, it seems to me, is even at Mayor of London, where there were some very real achievements, but there's a real lack of attention to detail with Boris Johnson, where compare him to, say, Margaret Thatcher. Now, Margaret Thatcher famously got by on four hours sleep because she could go to, say, an evening function. Then she would come back from the evening function. She'd be up in the early hours poring over the policy documents and studying the minutiae of it there is no chance whatsoever of Boris Johnson behaving in that way do you think it's important therefore that Boris Johnson surrounds himself with the right sort of people to make up for his own shortcomings which are fairly well documented and also do you think he has the skill set necessary to be an effective prime minister at this crucial time in Britain's history relative to anybody else in our parliament yes and do, don't forget that Boris Johnson's greatest skill is knowing how to avoid getting caught out. To start with, as the London mayor, he was a very apparently right-wing politician who, much to the astonishment of ben, many, followed Red Ken in a very left-wing, some might say, Marxist city, London, he did a damn, put together a very good team and did a damn good job, so good that when he stood for a second term, he was re-elected by this left-wing city Mm. because they knew he was doing a good job. Yes, he had the odd um, mistake um, and he was very honest about it. Um, them when he had them but he knew how to put a team together he put together a good team that did a good job now I watched his first two and a half hours at the dispatch box and for somebody who is accused of not be- being capable of uh, putting studying detail he didn't half make the front bench of the Labour Party um, the Lib Dims, um, and everyone else who challenged him look somewhat foolish for their lack of knowledge. He performed excellently. Um, There isn't a... The old saying is, come the the hour, cometh the man. I have a feeling uh, this is an individual who rises to the occasion and plays the fool when he can get away with it. Do you, do you think we are therefore in a Churchillian sort of situation where Churchill had a hugely controversial career in the decades before World War Two? He was good, particularly for one year in World War Two when Britain was at its lowest ebb, and he gave the country the leadership it needed for that period. But when he returned to power in, what, 1950 with Conservatives, he was not an effective peacetime Prime Minister. Do you think that therefore Boris Johnson... I'm not necessarily putting him in Churchill's league, but do you think he is the right person for these unique set of circumstances? I have never, in, I would say, 73 years, um, however, um, I didn't really start getting interested in politics until I was about 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And in all the time since, I have never seen 
Parliament as energised and enthusiastic as when Boris Johnson was at the dispatch box this week. And let's also remember that Friday this week he was in Manchester and he gave a categoric undertaking that there would not be an election this year. Do you believe that Britain will leave the European Union by or on the 31st of October? I do. A very definite answer from Greg there. We'd welcome your feedback. We hope you're enjoying the series. This is episode six. If there's any particular topics you want discussed, feel free to send me an email, marcusstead at hotmail.co.uk, or tweet me, I'm at marcusstead. Join us again next week for the second part of our discussion on personal responsibility. Thanks very much for listening. See you then. Mm-hmm.